why are we just using the B2B exclamation point is what I call it, which is just like, we're so happy to be here. Thank you so much. It's like, mm. dude, that's no one. That's not a human tone. No one is that excited all the time. So I think it's a, like the short answer is the miss is just being generic and being kind of basic with these marketing touch points. If someone helps you solve a problem and if you trust them, you want to do business with them. It's really that simple. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. When I say the word content, What's the first thing that pops into your head? Was it a blog post? Maybe you're thinking about a podcast. Or if you're particularly adventurous, maybe you're even thinking about video. But the reality is, all of these fall under the vague and ever-expanding world of content marketing. So with so many mediums and distribution channels to pick from, it can honestly be paralyzing if you don't have a solid strategy in place. My guest today is managing content strategy at Gong and is also the host of Reveal, the revenue intelligence podcast. So hopefully he can ease some of our content anxiety and show us a little bit behind the scenes of his strategy. Join me today. I've got Devin Reed. How are you doing today, Devin? I am doing phenomenal. You caught me on the second best day of the week. That's Friday. <laughs> if you're curious what the best day of the week is, it should be obvious. It's Saturday, but I'm, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for hanging out with me. I think Tuesday, I like Tuesdays. They kind of like have a little bit of a little bit of momentum for me, at least. <laughs> for sure. There's nothing wrong with a good Tuesday, by the way. <laughs> I'll take a good day over a not good day. doesn't matter the day. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot right away because there was a LinkedIn post you put out a couple days ago that has a couple interesting points that I think we can kind of take this conversation in a couple different ways. And it read like this. Content strategy at a hyper-growth startup boils down to move fast, create content sales actually wants, and of course, the occasional apology email. But hey, that's showbiz, baby. <laughs> so firstly, I am the biggest fan of when people close off statements with that showbiz, baby, because it's such like a get out, get out of jail free card statement. I love it. And I'm glad you liked it as well. It doesn't get old. Uh, I say it, I write it. And there's something about it. It kind of makes you just smile and feel good. Like, hey, that's, it's like, that's life, man. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> that's showbiz. Yeah. But maybe you, can, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the time that you did move too quickly and then how you smooth things out. If it, however you're, whatever you're allowed to share from the, the smoothing outside. But I think it's a, sure. it's a key point about those hyper growth companies. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be careful the way I put this because I, I'm going to say something and people are going to be like, that's ridiculous. But I don't mind a good apology email. I actually encourage my team to push the limits and to do things that are, you know, extraordinary, but also just, you know, kind of go outside the realm of what is expected as a B2B marketer. And if we sometimes overstep or irritate someone the wrong way, I didn't apologize. That's okay. But I tell them I'd rather be, you know, anything but boring. I don't want, I don't want boring marketing. So the, the time where we send an apology email happens quarterly-ish. Now, mind you, it's not a blast email to 100,000 people saying, hey, we put our foot in our mouth. But, you know, sometimes we'll write some copy that's a little edgy and maybe someone responds with like, you know, doesn't love it. 
And I always, you know, I, I apologize and I'll apologize in different ways, right? I'm not always like, oh, I'm so sorry because I'm not always so sorry, but I am very mindful of like, Hey, you know, if you read this the wrong way, if it hit your ear the wrong way, like I, I do apologize. It's never my intention to offend anyone, but I oh, share you're it with actually talking about apology to customers, not even internal communications. No, no. The team internally loves it. <laughs> the team internally is like push the envelope. Like the sales team loves it. The, our CEO is a CMO. So yeah, so like he gets it. No, it's not internally. It's like externally. Like when we you know, e- e- typically like an email. So yeah, when I say apology email, it's like, uh, hey, you know, sometimes you got to oh, smooth okay. things over. But so yeah, it's just like, hey, you know, I always want to do right by folks, especially people that, you know, are clients or people potentially clients, you know, I don't want them to leave with a sour taste in their mouth. So yeah, it's just, you know, hey, Stu, you know, my bad. If you read this the wrong way, here's what I meant. Totally understand where you're coming from. My bad. Uh, And then I forward it to my team and I say, you know, maybe we push the envelope a little too much here. Let's, let's review in our next meeting. And sometimes we just go, no, we don't agree. We think it's good and we're going to do it again. And you know, it's a one-off. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's, but you know what? That's showbiz baby. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. So your background is in sales and that's how you started off at Gong originally. What what drew you to the content marketing side of things and how do you think your sales experience influences that? Yeah, that's a great question. I had a big leg up in that, you know, big big number one rule for me in marketing is know your audience, whether you're selling to finance or operations or sales. I know sales people really well because I was a salesperson for six years and I've also sold sales tech for most of that career. So I know salespeople, I know sales leadership really well. And so I wanted to, that was kind of like the, not the why, but the kind of with the how, like it made sense to make this leap at this time in terms of why I wanted to, you know, I, I like to think I was a, a great sales rep or maybe at least good with moments of greatness, but it was something that I really had to refine in practice. Some of the skills came naturally like, you know, storytelling and public speaking and a lot of the things like driving urgency and getting people to move that didn't really want to move. I uh, didn't know, you know, weren't very easy for me. And I've always had this, you know, this passion and skill of writing, but you don't really write much in sales except for, you know, the occasional email and, and some, you know, proposals, which are hardly creative writing. And so I wanted to test myself. I wanted to know if I had what it took, had what it took to make a, you know, one to many messaging to do it uh, in a way that drove revenue in a way that builds Gong's brand and to do it consistently. And uh, so I, I made the leap about a year ago and that's worked out thus far. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys are everywhere online, whether it's on purpose or not. You've got a very outward focused internal team that is good writers. You're on LinkedIn daily from the upper management all the way even into to BDR and sales reps like they're they're happy to be there and they like talking Mm -hmm. about the work they're doing. And it comes off genuine. It's not like always an employee saying, check out our latest blog posts and like no context. It's actual mm-hmm. people talking about the work that Gong enables. Like you're a revenue intelligence company, like you help sales right. work. And by having salespeople say, here's my like newest thing I'm learning about. That's, that's really mm-hmm. just genuine content that you couldn't, you couldn't pay a copywriter to write better content than that. Yeah. I mean, it appears genuine because it is genuine. Like we don't ask, I mean, we, we might ask people to, but it's not like you, you have to like, Hey Stu, you have, you know, I saw you're the one of the 20 people that didn't click like, man, what's going on. That never happens. We, we would like to, you know, enable people and say like, Hey, we have this big, like, I don't know when this will air, but you know, we had a series D funding announcement. We made a video and we made a quick Google doc and we said, Hey guys, if you want to share, here's three prompts and here's a video. You can use it. You can use none of it. You can 
you can ignore me. I don't put the last part because I don't want to uh, get them to ignore me. But you know what I mean? So it's enabling them. And the other thing is I'm not going to ask people to do anything I'm not already doing. And by seeing some of the leadership folks uh, writing on LinkedIn, it shows them like it's okay to do. And then, like I said, we just give them content that they like. Like, you know, I think it was, po- you know, the second, the second point of that LinkedIn post you mentioned is like create content sales actually wants. If it's actually cool to them, they'll want to write about it. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I just have a like kind of a side question. The the following that people have on LinkedIn as I don't know like as professionals, I'd say that that is kind of the the most professional channel right now. A lot of people like Twitter as well, but like between those two, having like those those will serve you well in, from a career standpoint. What what have been some of the benefits of being prolific on LinkedIn and, and actually sharing for as long as you have been and, and amassing tens of thousands of people who want to hear what you have to say? I mean, the, the biggest thing I think is just reach. Like if you think about it, like you could lean on link or you lean on email, right? And you could send people to your blog posts and people might click it. They might read your blog, but they're not really like writing their own comments on a company blog page, right? When's the last time you hit like, you know, some tech dot I, you know, dot com. And then you're like, wow, this is a good blog. And you like comment, like, no, no one does that. And so what we do is like by again, enabling these people, like, you know, Sarah Brazier, myself, Chris Orlob, like all these people have like thousands of followers. And so for them individually, I think the benefits are obvious. Like, you know, they're experts in their space, you know, they're going to get, you know, better career opportunities or, you know, they get to be on podcasts and do cool stuff. For Gong, it's like, and going back to the formula we just talked about, to create content they actually like, you know, then we're like, hey, we have a big campaign. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Chris. Hey, Amit, do you mind posting? And they do. And then you look at the end of a 24 or 48 hours after this, you know, LinkedIn post or whatever it is, you know, whatever you're trying to drive traffic towards, you see interaction and engagement because you have this additional reach, right? Instead of having, you know, the Gong page which we're, you know, we're, we're lucky to have like 40,000 plus followers. Most companies have what, like 5,000 maybe? Yeah, so lucky. you put something yeah. on social there and what, you get like 10 likes. We, we have it in a way where we like to have these thought leaders, I call it the thought leader roster, these folks that have reach, that have pull. We leverage them and we leverage our gong page, which we're also trying to grow followers, right? And so now we have like, that's why we're all over LinkedIn because like our feel over LinkedIn because we are all over LinkedIn as by right. design. Yeah, no, 100%. So... Gong is no like you've you've coined the term revenue intelligence and you you're branded as the revenue intelligence company. How can you can you provide some context of how you've been able to track the revenue intelligence that content marketing has? Because you've got the the DNA of a sales company, uh, but you obviously understand marketing. So how have you been able to like how does the company think about justifying all the content? Uh, that you're putting out with the revenue that it generates. I'd love to hear the, how you measure it. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a few ways, right? So one is, you know, if you really split into two, there's times where we're looking to drive brand awareness and there's times where we're looking to drive leads. Now we have a couple, a couple programs that, you know, I think do both like our gong labs is our monthly research blog post that we put out. And so it's thought leadership. It's really insightful, but we also provide actionable insights. So if you want to download it, right? So if it's, you know, hey, here's 10 tips for a better cold call, we provide insights. Well, there's also a downloadable option. If you want to download the cheat sheet with all 10 tips, you can take it home. Now we have leads, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a way we can do both. And so in terms of demand gen, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. We're not just looking at, you know, we're looking at MQLs. We're looking at 
the rate of which those are converted into SOAs or sales accepted opportunities or SAOs. I always get that backwards. And then we're also starting to look at as we go up market, you know, how are we breaking, how is this content resonating with our commercial segment versus our mid-market versus our strategic, right? Which of the content is lent is, is working with managers versus SVPs of sales. And so we're starting to get really scientific and understanding, you know, Hey, this topic, or this program, like a webinar versus a blog versus a podcast, podcast, a little different, so we probably shouldn't include that in this example, but we can start to see, hey, if we put out this specific type of content, we can almost guarantee this amount of leads for this segment, right? Which ultimately is going to run up into our revenue number. So we're very revenue focused. Actually, our marketing demand gen team is called Rev Marketing because we're mm-hmm. revving the engine. Pause for pun, punny laughter there. <laughs> But you know what I mean? So like we do it very scientifically. So we're doing that way. The other way for brand is like, you know, there's a million ways to measure brand. So I feel like no matter what I say, some people will nod and some people will grab a pitchfork. So like come for me, I guess. But (laughs) a lot of times we're looking for, you know, we, we, we sprout social. So we're looking at, you know, how often are people talking about gong? Are people tagging us or, you know, how many conversations are out there doing the same thing for SEO and revenue intelligence, making sure we're the number one spot. And continuing to create content to snag spot two, three, four, et cetera. Um, and then sometimes it's as simple as, you know, how many views and reactions did we get on these Gong Labs posts that we're putting on LinkedIn? Because you can see very quickly, like, is this taking off like wildfire because it's, it's great? Or is you know, the good not great, right? And so the, the reason we look at those is one is we can see the impact that we have and how many people are consuming the content. But two, when we see that it's done really well, we're getting you know, over a thousand reactions on a post, downloading it like crazy. Now we've putting social posts, like, you know what I mean? We found what we can just extract, repurpose that content. And that kind of just continues to fuel the rest of the things we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And so the you've got the awareness stuff and then you've got the demand gen stuff. Are those happening in parallel or do you go through waves of what you're promoting? Yeah, I would say like, I mean, with since the pandemic, like demand gen has taken a front seat. I would say they used to be pretty 50-50. Like, you know, a lot of our video content that we would were making a lot of would be a lot on brand awareness, right? Fun videos, things that are really relevant. Don't have to download it, just consume it, see the logo. You follow us on LinkedIn and carry on. And so, yeah, now we're bouncing. And like I said, like Gong Labs is a great example. It does both. But, you know, sometimes we create guides, I think is more on the demand gen side of things. Sometimes we create webinars and we'll try to do activation, uh, audience activation so that, you know, yeah, we're hitting demand gen because we're, we're getting registrations and we're getting follow up, you know, following up with these folks that attended. But what we also do is try to activate people that are there to go on LinkedIn and share, like, what did you like about today's webinar? You know, make a post, tag Gong, tag me. And we'll send you something. Maybe it's more free content. Maybe it's a t-shirt, whatever it may be. Because now people are starting to talk about it. And now the buzz went from my webinar on Zoom or whatever platform to the real world or the digital world on LinkedIn. And so now we're starting to get awareness. And then people will start to say, oh, I had no idea that webinar was going on. But now I want to go to Gong's website, find the webinar, and maybe interact with us in some other ways as well. Mm -hmm. And that's hugely valuable to you guys to have just people, right? It's incentivized because it, it can be and people will respond to that. But it's just so like back to the just organic. It's, it's just a reach that you can get. And I've seen also something I've been kind of experimenting with on Twitter. Obviously, the sharing mechanics are so different on Twitter than they are on LinkedIn. But uh, after going to a live webinar or listening to a podcast that I enjoy, I don't have a big following, so I'm trying to grow my following. A, a way to do that is to 
summarize what you just listened to or watched and then make it really easy to read and really easy to digest and then tag the people who are hosting it, who have much bigger audiences yeah. than you. They see it as free content. They're like, great, thanks, Stuart. And oftentimes they'll repost it. And then all of a sudden, yeah. my thing gets seen 20,000 times, even though I've got 400 followers. So that's exactly. kind of like reverse engineering to what we're talking about is like you want other yeah. people to share it. They don't ask me to, but I do it because I benefit from it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah, I talk about LinkedIn all the time because we sell to salespeople who are on LinkedIn all the time. If you sell to, I don't know, engineers, maybe medium is better for you. Or like you said, like Twitter, right? So it's like the, the mechanics are really the same in terms of what you're trying to do. The levers are just a little different in terms of how you get there. Mm -hmm. I, speaking of social, I posted on both those channels asking if people had questions for you. And I got way more responses on LinkedIn than I did on Twitter, which I thought was just uh, just interesting. So to be I'm fair, gonna... I probably have a bigger following on LinkedIn also. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't tag you or the company though. I wanted to hear oh, genuine, okay. genuine like content strategy questions. So for those who submitted them, I want to do kind of a rapid fire because I really right. want to hear from you is what your formula for creating effective B2B content is. That's that's something that you've refined and we'll get to there. But I want to kind of hit you with a couple of questions because they're honestly just really interesting questions to kind of right now understand what is going on in the world of content marketing. So you ready? Let's do it. I'm in the hot seat. It's, it's warm here in San Francisco. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. How much does SEO influence the content you make? Is that a, a pre-thought or a post-thought? That's a good question. I would say... Man, it's tough. It's a little bit of both because here's the thing. We had an external firm that was helping us and we'd since let them go. And now Jonathan Costed on my team is launching our own SEO in-house. So we're just getting it off the ground. So I would say it's an afterthought right now, but it's becoming you know, more of a focus. And so going back to some of the revenue intelligence, you know, going back to that is you know, we're starting to put our foot on the gap creating a lot of content that will be around revenue intelligence, certain personas, and certain keywords. We have done pretty well so far, but there's a lot of green space. So I would say right now, it's really big on thought leadership. And a lot of our thought leadership aren't things that are like key, you know, you're not getting a lot of search for. But in the very near future, it will be kind of like a secondary strategy where we're specifically creating long form content to grab those SEO terms. Well, in a lot of ways, you're, you're creating a category. So right. the people might not be Googling revenue intelligence yet. Not yet. Not yet. That's the goal. Right. But that, that's, that's interesting because now you have like the thought leadership and you've got tons of reach putting that, that bug into people's ear being like, this is a new term that you're going to hear yeah. four times a month at least. And right. now you know it as a term. So when you're looking for something, you can just like that would, that might, that might, percolate through your knowledge and go on to Google and look that up. Yeah. Uh, fun story is when we first launched revenue intelligence, the number one, if you went to Google and typed in revenue intelligence, it was actually the Indian, it was an Indian government department. So there was like a revenue intelligence department of India and they were, <laughs> they had the number one spot for a while. So we finally took it for them. I'm sorry, <laughs> India, but we finally snagged it. So they're number two and, and Gong's number one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Here's another one. What mistakes do you see other B2B businesses make when they decide to double down on content? They're bought in and they go hard at it. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see? Man, I'm going to throw so much shade. And it's not, and the, the thing is, I don't think it's done 
purposefully. I think the biggest mistake is being afraid to have a true brand voice. Here's what I mean by that. You, you, you just signed up for a webinar, Stu. You, you, you may, maybe went, maybe you didn't go, right? Yeah. Hi, Stu. Thanks for coming to our webinar with the exclamation, right? And then yeah. it's like a link for the recording and then like, that's it. Yeah. And it's HTML. Yeah. And then the other thing I think that's a miss and is kind of on the same vein is like, you didn't get to the webinar. Okay. Maybe you only signed up because you want the on-demand version and you get an email. It's like, Hey, Dan, thanks for coming to our webinar or thanks for registering. If you want to talk to someone, on our team blank, click here. It's like, cool. Why would I, I didn't even go Dude, I wasn't there. Why are you asking for a demo? I'm big on copywriting. I know it's like the, anyone that follows DG and it's like, we, we, got it kind of from him. Like we use our gospel, so to speak, but like, we just believe in really good copy. I just think it's such a waste to do what is expected hundred percent, right? Like mm. why not write? You think about it. Like you have a touch point that you can really make an impact and show your brand and like really engage with them in a meaningful way. So like, why are we just like using the, you know, the, the, the B2B exclamation point is what I call it, which is just like, we're so happy to be here. Thank you so much. It's like, mm. dude, that's no one, that's not a human tone. No one is that excited all the time. So I think it's a, like the short answer is the miss is just being generic and being kind of basic with these marketing touch points. I use webinar as an example. I'm sure there's a, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, anytime you're clicking send in Marketo, I would just say like, you know, be a little bit more bold. And I know it's like some people say like, it's easy for gone. Cause like, you know, we sell to salespeople and they're conversationalists. So like we can, we can get away with more, but like you can sell to data scientists and be a little clever. You can sell to marketers and be quirky without being necessarily bubbly. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like everyone has their own flavor. I think that brands are missing out by not really tapping into that. Does that need to be an individual or is that more a writing style that the marketing team has to agree upon? So it's, it's a great question. So there's two, we have to delineate here because most companies, we can go back to like another thing you could do is most companies send you the email from, you know, software, you know, mar- software marketing, right? Like you get the, instead of Devin Reed, it's not coming from Devin Reed. It's coming from their company name marketing or their company yeah. name. Yeah. So if you're sending it from that, that is your company brand. That's your tone right there. That's different than Devin Reed, right? So that's what I'm talking about. Like if it's coming from the company that has to have some flavor to it. Now, what you could do and what I suggest doing, if it's about things typically a little more for senior leadership, things around category creation, you hear from Sheena. If it's Gong Labs or webinars, you hear from Devin, right? And so by that, it's like, it's Danny's tone. It's Sheena's tone. It's Devin's tone. Now you still feel some gong in there. We're still very conversational. We're still very approachable. Might be a little, little but I'm more to the point. I'm more authoritative. Sheena's a little, maybe nicer than I am. And Danny's, you know, he's just, he does his thing. Danny's Danny, right? <laughs> but the point is, is differences between us and you feel those differences over time as being a part of our email list. Right. So that's yeah. different. You know what I mean? So that your question was like, is it Devin's tone or not? It's my tone when it comes from me. And we're writing for Gong when it's like our product newsletter, mm-hmm. when it's our LinkedIn or it's our Twitter, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And I really like how you delineated them as different topics you cover. Cause you have, yeah. like, as, as B2B marketers, we need to pay attention to who there are tiers of the audience, right? There's the end exactly. user, there's the decision makers, there's the budget people, like there's tons of layers. And so to have multiple voices of the company sending out different tonal messages, like that, like that's the thing they care about. Like you love talking about marketing and then Sheena loves talking about category creation. Like those are such different topics that a 
individual would probably might not want to be on both those email lists. Yeah, well, well, so it is one email list. I'll, I'll be honest; it's one email list. Oh, you know, right. If you're but part it, of the you, you subscribe to Gong, but you're going to hear from Devin, you're going to hear from Sheena, you're going to hear from mm-hmm. Danny, you're going to hear from me, our CEO, when we had our funding round. Of course, it's going to come from me. He's the he's the big doc. So you're going to hear from Amit about our funding. I'm like, I, I talk about sales and I give you free content and I host free events. I, I don't, I mean, the funding wouldn't have made as much sense coming from me. You know what I mean? Right. Let's talk about Reveal, the your podcast at the company. How long did that, did you start that or was that already happening when you joined the company? No, no. So we started it, Sheena and myself started it back in October. So we've been doing it for, I think we just put out episode 41, 41 weeks. We've been doing it, new episode every Monday. Consistency is key. Especially with podcasting. <laughs> Don't I know. So what is, what's the outcome that you're looking with that? Because a lot of, like, I know the, the personal benefits I get from being the host of this podcast. If a company is interested in, host, in having a company-branded podcast, what suggestions mm-hmm. would you have that, that that experience actually generates quality leads or what, what, what outcomes do you look for in that show? Yeah. So it's a great question. So one is, I think one is like, if you're thinking of launching a podcast for your company, you probably should just do it. It's not too crowded yet because if you think about it, you know, Gong is selling to, you know, our ICP is senior sales leader. So let's just call it director of sales and above typically VPs and above. So if you look at the world of podcasts, there is, yeah, there's, I think it's over a million. I don't know, probably tons of podcasts out there. But that's for the whole world. Think of like how many people are making podcasts specifically for your ICP. Like how many options are there really for SVPs who want to increase revenue or become a better SVP, right? For us in sales, I think there's around 10, maybe 15, five good ones or five popular ones, I should say, right? And so it's still worth doing. Mm-hmm. Now for us, we launched the podcast and titled it very uh, specifically, which is two components. One is Reveal. Reveal is the concept of you know, providing new information, uncovering something you didn't know. And the Revenue Intelligence Podcast is just putting our category right there in the title. So you got to hear it. You got to see it. You, know, you click on it. You think about it. Because like I said, unless you were in India, you didn't know what Revenue Intelligence was until you know, Gong started uh, beating that drum. And so that's why we named it the way that we did. And the concept of Revenue Intelligence is to provide insights uh, into reality. So in other words, what's really going on with your sales deals, your sales conversations, not what you think is going on. So in, sense, in a sense, we're revealing reality too, right? So they, they play together. Mm. And so the, the way that we, and the reason we launched it was for pure thought leadership and brand awareness and to push the revenue intelligence narrative. And so the way that we designed it was, you know, hey, we want SVPs of sales at large companies to digest this, this content, who do they want to hear from? What do they like? What do they want to, you know, what are they trying to accomplish? So what we did was, you know, as much sales practitioner experience I have, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I've never ran a sales team. I've never run a multi-million dollar, billion dollar business. I'm okay acknowledging that. Sheena's phenomenal, but she hasn't done it either. Right. But both of us have an eye for content. We know what's interesting and we know what we're, you know, we know what we're trying to accomplish. So what we decided after doing a little bit of research and talking to CROs is, you know, create after talking to CROs is they want to hear from their peers. It's really a small community of these tech leaders who are super senior and they want to hear what other people are doing, right? They want to know what works and what doesn't work. They want to get better. They want to improve. And since we, like I said, since me and Sheena can't provide that insight, 
we started using our network and our and our brand, honestly, to start getting people who are very knowledgeable. Folks like you know Dan Shapiro, who's the chief business officer at LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm never getting an hour with Dan unless I have this podcast, right? And so, you know, he comes on the show, phenomenal guy, does a great job, you know, describing his philosophy and some things he's learned. And it's one of our most popular episodes. People still talk about it, even though it was like 20, 30 weeks ago. And so that's kind of why we did it. Now, if you want to get it to start generating leads, that's where it becomes really tricky because knows you barely know who listens how you know, subscribers versus or excuse me, downloads versus streams like it's really challenging now you know respect Stu. he's on the grind and so now what we're trying to do is use it as a tool so like hey you know we have strategic accounts we want to get into but cold emailing cold prospecting doesn't really work super well as we all know so what we're exploring is using it as a tool to say you know hey miss vp mrs vp of sales no ask here. Just want to know if you want to come give your advice on our podcast. We have a bunch of listeners who would love to hear from you. Who doesn't want to say that? Stu, you did it to me. We had never met. You reached out to me and said, hey, you want to hang out? I probably would have hung out with you anyway, but why not? Why not our podcast, right? So now we've got a conversation with this person. They're talking about our category, right? We're, we're teeing up questions that are talking about revenue intelligence and how they use data and, and you know some of the things they've learned. And so now we've got this, this new conversation started. They're a little bit primed. They're introduced to Gong. And then now we try to introduce them to a salesperson or have a salesperson reach out. So that's one way you can use it to continue relationships. If you already have in pipeline opportunities, and then there's ways where you can build flows. So, you know, you put your, put a link into the episode description, get them to your website, try to drive, you know, drive them down the funnel, that sort of thing. Yeah. There's, there's tons of ways you can play with it. And, and I just published an episode with James Carberry and he's Dude, kind like of the godfather of B2B podcasting. Exactly. He's, he's got the formula. So don't, don't look to us for the formula. He's got the formula for that of how to make money from podcasting. But you pretty much covered the, the why's this is important is like, if you're a company, doesn't matter how small you are, you can reach out to people who you would only hope you could sit beside at a, at a dinner table at a conference and get an hour of their time uninterrupted talking about exactly what you want to talk about. And they'll say yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So if you want to, if you, if you want to hear the ins and outs of starting the podcast, listen to that episode with James Carberry. From James, I consume his content. I caught him at, it was a narrative science event. I think I, I spoke at it a couple weeks back and he was on there and I caught his session and yeah, the dude, dude's got the playbook, go follow him. He's great. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, Devin. Well, you managed to get through the hot seat. All right. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm sweating a little bit. I'm in a gray t-shirt. I'm probably sweating a little bit. <laughs> I want to just kind of finish, finish the conversation off here with a, the framework and the formula that you think about uh, B2B content generation, because that's kind of, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all humans. Like we get in our own head. We're like, oh, my opinions aren't that great. My, my, my voice, my radio voice isn't that great for hosting a podcast. I'm not that good a writer. Like there's a lot of roadblocks mentally that keeps us from putting out content. Help us understand what your formula is so that you can just always be like, boom, got something. Let's get it. Let's get it shipped and get it out there. Yeah. If your hand isn't shaking to hit publish at least once a month, you're probably not doing enough. And it's a, to- it's a good feeling to have. Like I get it when I see Gong Labs posts, I get it once in a while, just like sending like emails And it's not like, it's not a bad thing. Like it's okay to embrace that uncomfortability. Like you are putting yourself out there. So like, let me just validate any, you know, concerns or insecurities. Like 
everyone has them and it, it happens. In terms of the formula, there's a three, three piece formula here. Really simple. You can take it, take it, but the, the key is, is the execution on it. So the first thing we're, we try to do is one is make it insightful, right? So we want to provide some sort of insight that you could not get anywhere else. You have to at least put a unique spin on it. Right? You don't want to be the 18th person to talk about the sales and marketing, you know, the bridge between sales and marketing. We've heard that a million times. One of the things you can do and what Gong does really well is we use data. We use our, the data from our product users to come up with these macro insights. We go to market with it. We build a story around it. And the reason it works is because key number two is making it relevant. So relevance is a problem that people are, we're trying to help people solve a problem that they have today. Not one that they had three months ago, not one that they don't know, you know, doesn't exist yet. And so by making it, you know, insightful, and by the way, if you're not sure if it's insightful, your eyebrows are going to do two things. Here's a key. This is how you know, right? Here's a hot tip. One, if you like something, you're, you're, if it's insightful, your eyebrows are going to go up like, oh, that's really, that's cool. I hadn't thought of it that way. Okay, nice. Or your eyebrows go down. And they furrow a little bit. And you're like, huh? I haven't really thought of it like that. That's kind of weird. And you start, you know, I've got a beard. I'm start like stroking the beard. Start thinking through it. That's how you know you hit insightful. If you don't, if your readers aren't doing that, it's not insightful. So you heard it here first. And then the last thing is make it immediately actionable, right? What people really want to know is like how to do the things that you said you're going to do, right? So if you're telling me, you know, if you're writing a post like, hey, here's you know, here's why you should launch a B2B podcast, right? I kind of just level maybe you know could add some data in there for insight. Then, you, you know, you provide, you know, it's relevant because we're reading it, hopefully are B2B marketers and they're probably considering doing a podcast. And then you make it immediately actionable. Like here's five things you can do today to launch your podcast. And then you list out what those are. Now you've got a home run. That, that's it. It's really that simple. Now, of course it comes down to execution, but that's what we look for, for every piece of content for our podcast. You know, we have the interview and we break it apart with micro actions, which is something you can do today. We have a data breakout, which are pieces of data to make it insightful. Our blogs follow this. Our social media posts have at least two of these things in there. Cause you know, short form can't always get all three of those, but yeah, that's really what it comes down to. And the beautiful part is people will consume it, but they'll share it as well. Because people want, like you said, people want to be associated with good ideas and smart people. And so if you really get those eyebrows raised, people will like it. People will tag someone. And before you know it, you have this snowball effect. And that's how you build a brand with content. That's awesome. The micro, the micro actions, I think, are the piece that a lot of people miss. Like you can have these very cool ideas and bring it up and people's eyebrows go all over the place. But if it's just like a lofty Seth Godin quote, what are you supposed to do with that? worded beautifully. Exactly. It's like, cool. It's cool, but it's not perfect. Like it's not gold. You know what I mean? It's, it's good. And it's not great. If someone helps you solve a problem <clears throat> you, and if you trust them, you want to do business with them. It's really that simple. Boom. That's it. That's, that's all we got. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing that down, Devin. That's, that's really helpful and, and actionable. So there we go. Micro action right now is hopefully, yeah. <laughs> is think about how you can get people to do stuff or think about stuff once you've actually put that content out there. And don't make it don't make it massive. Don't make it like a huge lift. Just be like, honestly, like just write down three things, put them on a sticky note. Cause now you've created like artifacts on their desk that they'll they'll see at another point and remember, like, oh yeah, I did go to a webinar. It was good. Cool. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a, you just made me, you made my eyebrows go all over the place with that one. There we go, man. That's it. The insightful meter, the eyebrows move. <laughs> <laughs> they don't lie. 
Awesome, Devin. I'm going to wrap it up here because that was just a great way to end things. I really appreciate you coming on. You can find Devin on LinkedIn to see what this is all about because where you can listen to me all you want, but you have to go see what Gong's doing. Follow Devin, check out their page, see the other people on the on the platform and you'll you'll learn a ton from them. Awesome, man. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. Cheers. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.